0: Thank you all. Maybe you noticed a theme in the worship songs this morning about battle and angel armies and fighting. This summer, we're looking at different psalms and seeing what they can teach us about how to pray. And our psalm this morning is Psalm 35, and it is a long one. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, but I'm going to read a, a portion, the first four verses, just to give you the sense of what it's about, and it might help explain the theme that you, you'd have seen in worship this morning. The version I think we're using is, I'm following the, the handout, but I, um, I'm pretty sure it's the NIV version, but it's not too different from the ESV, which we sometimes use as well. Contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and armor. Arise and come to my aid. Brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your salvation. May those who seek my life be disgraced and put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. So God's word here gives us a prayer. Asking God to fight on our behalf and to deal with our enemies. So, as I was thinking about this, a song came to mind that um, is a country song. And I don't know if, if there's many people who sing country songs in this this area. Uh, I know back in southeastern Ohio, there was a, a quite a few who uh, were into quite a few stations on the dial were country stations. And, and I, occasionally I would listen, but here's one that's kind of a classic. And the, cor- the words of the chorus are actually in your song sheet. And so I, I want to follow along with that. Maybe you've heard of the song called Coward of the County. And I think some of the best country songs are ones that tell a story. So I'm going to start just by asking Tom to sing the chorus so you get a feel for this song miss me son?
1: not to do the things I've done, walk away from trouble if you can, it won't mean you're weak, if you turn the other cheek, I hope you're old enough to understand, son you don't have to fight to be a man.
0: That sounds familiar. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. The you. Hard, hard. <laughs> so the story's about Tommy. And Tommy, um, his father was a fighter and ended up going to prison and actually died in prison when Tommy was just 10 years old. But before he went off to prison, he he gave his son these instructions, which is the chorus. And so he told his son he didn't want him fighting and getting in fights like he did. And so he, he wanted him to take a different path. And so because of that, Tommy would walk away from fights. And so the whole county called him Yellow, meaning coward. And so he became known as the Coward of the County. So before he... His father, right before he went off to prison, the last time Tommy would have seen him, let's sing together the promise that that he, he had made his son give. Promise me, son,
1: not to do the things I've done. Walk away from trouble if you can won't mean you're weak give you turn the other cheek. I hope you're old enough to understand. Son, you don't have to fight to be a man.
0: And though the other folks in the county looked down on Tommy because of this promise, there was one woman who, who still loved him. The love of his life was Becky. And it says in the chorus, or the verse... But in her arms, he didn't have to prove he was a man. And so they were married and had a great relationship. But one day, the Gatlin boys, three of them, came calling when Tommy wasn't at home. And they severely mistreated Becky. And when Tommy came home, she was crying, her dress was ripped, she was bleeding. And something broke inside of them. and he he looked at the picture of his father, and this the promise again came to mind that he gave to his father.
1: I promise you, Dad, not to do the things you. So the same one. So the same one. Promise me, son, not to do the things I've done. Walk away from trouble if you can. It won't mean you're weak if you turn the other cheek. I hope you're old enough to understand. Son, you don't have to fight to be a man.
0: So Tommy thought about that promise. And he went to find the Gatlin boys. And he knew where they'd be, they'd all be in the bar. And he walks into the bar. And uh, he walks up to them, and they see him, and they just start laughing. And they see him turn back towards the door, and they say, Ah, oh, there goes Yeller again. But their laughter stops when instead of walking out the door, he bars it. And then it says he goes after the Gatlin boys, one against three. And he takes them all down. He pours out all the anger he's had over the years. And it says... When the last Gatlin boy fell, that's when he sings a different promise to his dad.
1: I promise you, Dad, not to do the things you've done. I walk away from trouble when I can. Now, please don't think I'm weak. I didn't turn the other cheek. And Papa, it's you understand sometimes you gotta fight when you're a man
0: so believe it or not I found that song profound it makes me think what do I teach my son do you teach him not to fight do you teach him to walk away how do you handle anger, thanks Tom can we get a hand I just realized it's Tommy and Tom. Gotcha. It's a fitting. But, um, and I think it points to a, a tension for believers in Christ. When we face enemies who want to do us harm, whether it's physical or otherwise, How do we handle that? When we face real evil in this world, and is there not real evil in this world, when we face irrational anger and people who want to take us down, do we turn the other cheek? Do we go meek and powerless and and let them get away with it? Or do we go the other way, right? So... Um, do we turn on this? This will be for one gender. Do we turn on our inner Clint Eastwood, right? You, you know, and I was trying to think about who would be the, the younger version. And I thought, tell me if I'm wrong. Do we turn on our inner John Wick? Like, who's who's the the guy in the movies who goes after the people that have done him wrong? Um, so maybe there's there's when I thought about there's a lot of revenge movies, you know? Right, the man gets harmed or injured, and he goes and he deals vengeance upon all those. Do do we go that route? That's where I think Psalm 35 can point to another way. So I want to dig into this. How do we deal with enemies, with those who are out to get us? And we see it starting off with, Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight me. David is the, the one who wrote this, and he's facing Enemies, people who are out to bring him down. Later, it says, do not gloat over me who are my enemies without cause. How do we handle our enemies? We don't know the specific situation. We get imagery that comes from the courtroom. We also get imagery that comes from battle. And so it could be a variety of things. We know David faced a lot of opposition in his life. Uh, the story of David is told in First and Second Samuel, if you, if you want to try to figure it out, what might have been the specific situation. But here's just some things that it says that gives us some clues. Here's what David says people are trying to do to him. It says, they fight against me. They seek my life and plot my ruin. It says, they hid their net for me, or they dug a pit for me. In other words, they were using deception to trap him. It says, ruthless witnesses with, come with unfair questions. It says, they repay good with evil. They gather all together and take glee in my stumbles. It says, they slandered, mocked, they gnashed teeth. They gloated over me. They hated me without reason. They devised false accusations. In other words, they make up stuff about them. And they gape and say, aha, and they exalt themselves over me. So that's the situation David is facing. And the question I want to ask is, why do we have Psalm 35? Because David, facing all that, decided to bring this situation, to bring his enemies to prayer. David knew how to fight. Before he was king of Israel, he was a great warrior. In fact, he was the general of the armies of Israel himself. They had a little saying. um, Saul, the previous king, killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. David knew how to fight. He took down Goliath. But instead of fighting his enemies... He brought them to prayer, and he brought the situation to God. That's why we have Psalm 35. So we're going to walk through the psalm. I'm probably not going to read all of it. Um, and like I said, it's very long, but I'm going to read parts of it, and we'll see what, what is David praying for as he prays over this. Um, it starts with, Contend, Lord, of those who contend with me, fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and armor, arise and come to my aid. Raid a spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your salvation. Think about it for a minute. Who is better qualified to deal with the bad people who are out to get you? You or God? Who would you rather have fighting that battle? Would you rather fight it yourself? Or would you rather have the God of the angel armies fighting that battle for you? We know God hates injustice. God hates lying tongues. God hates those who gloat over us. So which would you rather be? Would you rather be the one experiencing injustice against you and so have God defending you? Or would you rather be the one who's on the top and giving injustice to others who feels like you're, you're winning but having God against you. God is our Father. Do you not think He's going to rise to the defense of His children? Second thing, David specifically asked that their plans fall back upon them. He says, since they hid their net for me without cause, and without cause dug a pit for me, may ruin, overtake them by surprise, May the net they hid entangle them, may they fall into the pit to their ruin. What is God's favorite way to save his people? He loves to to make it so that those who come against his people fall into the same trap they set themselves. So if a a, a coalition of armies comes to defeat Israel, God will, will set it up so that they end up fighting each other. And the the army of Israel just watches them destroy each other. Or um, in the book of Esther, Haman sets up a gallows to defeat Mordecai. And Haman ends up hanged upon the own gallows that he himself set for one of God's people. God loves to turn the tables. And so David prays, turn this back on them. May May what they're trying to do to me come upon them instead. The third thing we see in this prayer, it says, They repay me evil for good and leave me like one bereaved. Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. When my prayers returned to me unanswered, I went about mourning as though for a friend or brother. David is saying, I treated them with goodness. They repaid me with evil. So David decides, chooses, not to repay them likewise or in kind. Yes, they are going to do this to me, but I'm not going to respond in kind or in the same way to them. When we respond likewise to evil and to an evil person, think about this. We are letting them dictate our actions. Right? If we're going to do to them what they did to us, then they are the ones controlling how we act. We are, in in an odd way, We're giving them power over us, power to determine how we will respond. What if instead we say, no, I choose my own way to respond. You don't control me. You may show me evil, but I choose to show you love. I choose to bless you. I choose to to do good to you, no matter what you do to me. Fourth thing, David Grace. He gives thanks to God rather than litigate this conflict in public. In verse 18, it says, I will give you thanks in the great assembly among the throngs. I will praise you. Do not let those gloat over me who are my enemies without cause. Do not let those who hate me without reason maliciously wink the eye. They do not speak peaceably, but devise false accusations against those who live quietly in the land. So it starts off with, in the great assembly, I will give you thanks. What happens, what's our natural tendency to do when, when we're facing this kind of ordeal? When someone's coming against us, we want to tell others, right? We want others to know what's happening to us and what those bad people are doing. And if we had the chance in the great assembly to tell everyone we would want to tell our side of the story and get everyone to join us against the other side. We want to litigate this in public. Um, have you ever seen a, a post on Facebook that said, in essence, or, or the younger people, whatever, use Instagram, uh, TikTok, <laughs> something. But um, says, let me tell you what those jerks did to me. And it says, anyone who's my real friend will be on my side and not theirs. You ever seen a post like that? You know, that's litigating in public the conflicts we have with others. David chooses not to do that. Instead of speaking against them, he praises God and gives thanks to God's goodness and kindness. He doesn't spend all of his time trying to get others on his side. The fifth thing we see in David's prayer David seeks strength in God's presence. Lord, you have seen this. Do not be silent. Do not be far from me, Lord. Awake and rise to my defense. Contend for me, my God and my Lord. I love that. Lord, you've seen this. Lord, you know exactly what's happening to me. And so he's, he's in a sense, hiring God to be his defense attorney. Right? Defend me, O oh Lord. I mean, he's the best attorney you could get. Um, but he asked for more than that. Do not be far from me, Lord. Be with me through this. David finds strength in God's presence, in God's knowledge. I picture a defense attorney, you know, you can imagine a defense attorney that's sort of callous, you know, yeah, I'll get you off. Versus one who who not only defends you, but also gives you comfort and says, this is going to be okay. We're going to get through this. I'm going to be with you through it all. That's the kind of defense attorney we have when we put our faith in Jesus. The sixth thing we see in David's prayer. He trusts in God's ability to vindicate the righteous. Vindicate me in your righteousness, Lord my God. Do not let them gloat over me. Do not let them think, aha, aha, just what we wanted. Or say, we have swallowed him up. May all who gloat over me, over my distress, be put to shame and confusion. May all who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and disgrace. Vindicate. Do you know what that word means? It means being shown to be right in the end. Right? It's not only that things end up turning out right. It's that people can see. Like if you were falsely accused to be vindicated, means everyone else sees that you weren't really guilty after all. Um notice how like the worst thing is is not just what they're doing, but that they're gonna get away with it. It says, do not let them think we have had just what we wanted. Isn't that kind of the worst thing? That that not only were you abused, but that they, they feel like they've got one over, that they won the day. There's an amazing scene. In the throne room of heaven, that takes place in Revelation six. Um, in in Revelation, God or John sees a vision um, of of God's plans, of the way God is going to handle things. And there's this opening of the seals. And it says, "When the fifth seal is opened, here's what he sees." He says, "I saw under the altar." This is in the throne room of heaven the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. In other words, this is those who, who believed and followed Jesus and were, were killed. Maybe they have in mind those who died under the Roman Empire Nero and the great persecution in Rome. Um, and it says they called out in a loud voice, so these, these souls, speak out into God's throne room. And here's what they say. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Now, these are people, souls, who who are now in the presence of God. And, And so that means, it says that when we see Jesus face to face, we will be like him. We will be made perfect in every way, and yet they're still asking for God to avenge them. Or you could say, vindicate them, right? And and so they're not doing this out of anger. They're just saying, how long, Lord, until those who, who killed us, those who oppressed us, persecuted us, how long till you set things right and show them to be in the wrong how long, Lord, are you going to allow this to go on? So it is not wrong to pray for justice, to pray that things be set right. It says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. So that, that's good to pray. Um, and I love the answer they get, that each of them was given a white robe symbolizing their righteousness. In other words, in God's eyes, they are righteous. They've already been vindicated. In other words, and it says they're told to wait a little longer. <laughs> God's working his plan. Wait just a little longer. You'll see. Back to Psalm 35. Seventh thing David prays. He, David remembers that there are others on God's side as well. May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, The Lord be exalted who delights in the well-being of his servants. I think it's really easy to feel alone when you feel like you have someone going against you, to feel like everyone's against you, even if it's only a person or maybe a small group, to feel isolated. It's important to remember, even if you don't, everyone doesn't know the exact situation it's important to remember that you have others on your side that those who love the Lord are going to stand with you through it they're going to help carry you through this time The eighth thing eighth thing I notice in David's prayer is he chooses to praise God through the trial he's facing rather than focus on his complaint He it says in verse 28 My tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praises, all day long. That's how he ends this prayer. I think in the midst of conflict and mistreatment and opposition, we actually have a special opportunity to praise God. But only if we reject the path of the world that would lead us to vengeance If instead we choose to follow Jesus, who said love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, bless those who curse you. If we stay faithful in Christ through the opposition, not, not weak and just fall down and let whatever happen, but if we praise God, if we are determined to overcome evil with good, we have an opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus in a in a way that we never would any other way. Jesus told a story about a parable, in a sense that deals with this as well. And he's talking about a widow, someone who doesn't have any power to to deal with her opposition, to deal with her enemies. I think the conceit of the coward of the county story is that somehow Tommy, is who's never fought ever in his life, can summon enough anger, and that anger will give him the power to defeat three, three men who are pretty skilled at fighting. right? That's, that's the lie to that story. If it was real life, Tommy would walk in there and he'd get beat up, and it'd be worse at the end of it. When Jesus tells a story, he talks about a widow who has no power in society. And she's been unjustly treated. And what does she do? What's the only thing she can do? It says she goes to the judge. But the judge doesn't care about a widow. She can't help him in any way. And he's not a, Jesus is not a good judge. He's not a judge who fears God or cares about righteousness. But he says that widow keeps going to the judge day after day. Keeps going back day and night to the judge, and he says, all right, I'm finally going to deal with this problem because I'm just tired of this woman coming to me all the time. So the unjust judge does what is right because the woman is persistent in bringing to him her plea for justice. And Jesus says, so if a widow with no power can get justice from an unjust judge simply by being persistent in bringing her plea to him how much more can you oh children of God get justice from your father in heaven how much more and it says and will not will not God bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night will he keep putting them off that is the power we have we have a God of angel armies. And Jesus goes on to say, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find anyone who prays like that, who trusts their opposition, trusts their enemies to God, who will pray like David did in Psalm 35? I want to finish with the story of, of Louis Zamperini. Um, he has an amazing life story. His book, his story was told in the the book Unbroken, which they did make into a movie. Maybe you saw that, but he was an Olympic runner and ran in the Berlin Olympics in 36. Um, I forget what his distance was, but I think it was like a, a half mile or something. And, um, when Pearl Harbor came, he ended up in the Air Force and uh, ended up on a bombing crew in the Pacific. And he amazingly managed to survive when his the the plane crashed into the ocean. Um, not only did he survive, he ended up on a lifeboat uh, in the middle of the Pacific with no one knowing that his plane had gone down or, or that anyone had survived it. And he survived uh, one of the longest times ever in a life rope. Barely survived getting enough food and water, um, nearly starved to death. But he survived because he was picked up by a Japanese boat. And so he ended up as a POW in the Japanese prison of war camps. Um, there was one guard at the camp who had recognized him as an Olympic runner and made Louis Zamperini the focus of his anger. And so he would torment Zan, make him run races against the other guards, and if he won the race, he'd beat him. Uh, But if he lost too big, he'd beat him. So he he was in a no-win situation. Basically facing years of torture and and, um, suffering. And then the war came to an end. The guards fled and the POWs were rescued. And Zant comes home and he's determined. he wants to put his life back together and he, he gets a start at it. He gets married and a great wife and he tries to, to move on, but he keeps having thoughts of revenge. He keeps remembering what happened to him. And his has nightmares often about the suffering he faced in that camp. And he starts to develop a plan, almost a fantasy, but he wants to put it in action, of going back to Japan and killing, that, especially that one guard, the guard that became known as the bird. And so he, he begins to plot his revenge. But inside, he's, he's fallen apart. He, he begins to, to drink way too much. Um, he can't relate to his wife well. And she's thinking about leaving him. Everything, and you just can't get past these, these, these feelings of, of revenge. And then Billy Graham comes to town. And first, his wife goes to one of the crusades. And her heart and life is touched by the message of Jesus. And she says, Zamp, you've got to come. You've got to come here. And he doesn't want to. He's heard the stories. He knows what he's supposed to be, right? You're supposed to go forward and pray a prayer and everything's all right again. But to humor his wife, he goes with her to the crusade. But he's determined, I'm just gonna walk out when they get to that part where everyone's coming forward. I'll use that my opportunity to slip out the back. And so he listens to the message. Mm, Not bad. But then he's going to fulfill his plan. And he starts to go to the aisle, ready to walk out the back. But something stops him. And even in that instant of a moment, he thinks about where his life is headed. And he realizes if he doesn't make a change, if he doesn't go a different direction, it's going to fall apart. And so instead of going out the back, he walks up to the front. And there he puts his faith in the Son of God. And for Lewis, it changes everything. Coming to understand that kind of love that God has for him. And so this is what it says in the book. It says, after Louis met Billy, went to that crusade. It says, the former POW never had another prisoner prisoner of war nightmare. He lost his desire to kill the bird. He no longer hated the guards who tortured him. He even forgave Jamie, Jimmy Sasaki for, for pretending to be his friend when he was really his enemy. The turmoil of his life was replaced by calmness and a conviction that he'd found the right path. Later, Zaporini did go to Japan. And he even went to the, the same Sugamo prison where he had been held. And he found there some of the guards who had been guarding him now were inmates. And he was able to to forgive them. Never found the one in particular, He, he disappeared.
1: But he was able to
0: even offer forgiveness to those who did that to him. I don't think it's within our power when we've been hurt deeply it's not within our human power to do what Jesus said and forgive our enemies, to love them. I think like it can the inner anger and hate can destroy us, but we don't have the ability to get past it on our own. And so I think this points to the truth that we have to surrender and put our faith in the one. The one who took all our wrongdoings and sins the one who took every evil of this world and, and allowed it to fall upon his own soul, shoulders as he died on the cross, the one who even as he was being nailed to the cross said, forgive them, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. We need his strength to deal with our enemies, to deal with those who come against us. It is not within our own natural strength of doing it. And so, friends, if this is something you're fighting, if you're, you're struggling with anger in your heart against people who've done you wrong, I know it's tough, but it just means we need Jesus all the more. I want to ask two questions as we close. When have you prayed for justice in a situation um, for God to have for God to give you strength against an adversary? When when have you had to pray like that? And how can such a prayer, can you imagine such a prayer ultimately leading us to be able to forgive our adversaries and love our enemies? Let me pray. Father, I thank you that even when we were your enemies, you did not banish us or punish us, but instead you sent your son Jesus to us to breach to the gap, to, to, to draw near to us and lead us back to you. May you fill our hearts with that same kind of love for others. May you overcome our natural desire for for anger and revenge and show us how to be like your son Jesus. Lord, we can't do it on our own, but we trust in you. Amen. As we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Go now knowing the Lord Jesus goes with you. Amen.